0: or do something a little more
1: epic
0: and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: Welcome back, 94 WIP. John Johnson with you in the midst of all this Phillies conversation uh, with John Middleton speaking uh, almost unexpectedly. The timing of it is very odd. We seem to forget there is a huge game out in San Francisco between the Eagles and 49ers, and there hasn't been a whole lot of positivity to speak of, and even more injuries begin to pile up. Uh, Breaking news all over, you know, throughout Saturday uh, as it pertains to the Philadelphia Eagles and their offensive line. So nice enough to join us tonight to break down what exactly is going on, what the offensive line could look like. Do the Eagles have a chance in you-know-what to beat the 49ers From NBC Sports Philadelphia, Dave Zangaro. Dave,
2: hey John, slow Tuesday, huh?
1: (laughs) What a wild, wild Saturday! So, uh, Dave, let let's start with this. Um, uh, The news comes out, I guess, what is Saturday morning ish, early afternoon ish. Jason Peters. So uh, initially, I, I I swear it was his shin. He took a helmet to the shin. Then he was sick. And now he's on the IR with a toe injury. Can you explain this timeline to us?
2: Yeah, the timeline is a little confusing. I was able to get a little more clarity on it today. Um, yeah, so basically during the game last week, he it, he took a shot to the leg unrelated to this injury he has now. So um, the whole timeline is kind of strange because he, he got hurt at the end of that game. He leaves the game. Doug Peterson the next day says it was fatigue, but it clearly wasn't, or maybe he was tired, but he clearly got hurt on that play. Uh then Wednesday and Thursday he misses practice with illness. And during this season, we're gonna see a lot of this. It's guys, if anyone shows flu like symptoms or they're around someone who shows flu-like symptoms, they basically get sent home or they don't come in for work that day. Uh, So he misses Wednesday and Thursday, and then Friday he tells the team um, about some discomfort in his foot. They do an MRI. They find out the toe injury is significant enough that uh, he'll go on IR. So uh, they kind of planned all week on him being a left tackle, and all of a sudden uh, he's not. It's going to be Jordan Maulata tomorrow
1: night. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Dave, Dave. I I mean I think I'm speaking for every single Philadelphia Philadelphia Eagles fan and probably beat writer. Um, Jordan Mylanis starting at left tackle. I, I I mean, just saying that alone makes me want to run for cover. I mean, what what on earth are you expecting from him?
2: I have no idea, and, and I don't think anyone has any idea what to expect from this kid. I mean, he's. He's played 20 snaps so far, which I guess is a good thing in a way. It's not like his first start is going to be his first NFL action. He played 18 snaps against Washington. He played a couple snaps last week at the end of the game. So not a big body of work, obviously, but at least he's been out there. At least uh, hopefully that got some of the jitters out. But this is a guy who didn't know what American football was like (laughs) four years ago. Um, and, And now all of a sudden he's starting the NFL game. I'm intrigued. I mean, we've seen this kid from the moment they got him. He, he's a talent athletically. He's six eight, three fifty, moves incredibly well. Um, but uh, but uh, essentially on the depth you,
1: chart though, he's like the backup to the backup. Yes.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. But at this point, the the depth chart is <laughs> a lot different than what it was to start the season. <laughs> right, I mean, he's the, right. the third left tackle in. Um, Right, because they had Andre Dillard and and then they didn't even have Jason Peters at left tackle right before the season so uh, he has been the backup left tackle in practice he obviously is the backup left tackle because he came in in relief of Jason Peters the two time he had to leave games Mm -hmm. Um, we'll see I have no idea what to expect the problem with an offensive lineman like this is and we kind of saw with Jason Peters last week Mm -hmm. Jason Peters had a bad game last week right but Really, he had like six terrible snaps, and the rest of it was fine. But you walk away from that game thinking he had an awful game because that's all it takes for an offensive lineman. If you have five bad snaps in a game, you give up two sacks. That's a terrible performance. And that's the thing that scares you with an unproven guy and a guy without a lot of experience like Mailata because he's entering this game, and you just don't know if the consistency is going to be there. I'm intrigued to see what happens
1: though. Uh, is it surprising to you at all? I mean, uh, although they may say this, we never know for certain until the offense takes the field for the first time, but are you surprised that of, I suppose, whatever options are there, whether they have played the position or not, that they're going with someone like this to protect uh, a struggling quarterback's blind side.
2: I mean, the, it's, it's not like they have a, a ton of better options, honestly. Um, The only other thing they could do is to flip Lane Johnson from left to or from right to left and then put Jack Driscoll in it right. Mm -hmm. But I guarantee the way they're viewing that is then they're weakening two positions by doing it. Okay. Um, Because obviously Lane isn't as good on the left side and Driscoll's not as good as Lane. So uh, this is why, I mean, at at this point, this is year three from my lot. Mm-hmm. The the experiment part of this has to be over. If he's not a viable backup at this point in his career, you have to abandon it. You can't – I I love the idea of spending a seventh-round pick on a developmental guy that you're going to bring along slowly. But at this point, if he can't play, is he ever – I mean, is he going to be able to? How long can you use a roster spot on a guy who can't play?
1: Yeah. No, um, I, I totally agree why I even have him on the roster. You have a great – uh, column on that, by the way, on uh, NBC Sports Philly. That You can find the link to it uh, on Dave's handle at uh, the letter D, Zingaro, NBCS. Uh, so, Dave, uh, this makes matters only worse for the quarterback. Uh, in addition to the offensive line, um, I, Greg Ward and John Hightower are your top two wide receivers uh, come game time. Is that correct?
2: Well, you have, you have Greg Ward, you have John Hightower – Uh, Deontay Burnett will be there. Travis Fulgham will Mm -hmm. come up from the practice squad. Exactly. Um, Those are their four receivers for this game. It's, you know, Deshaun's hurt. Alshon isn't ready. And that's what they're left with. Um, And Jalen Rager's obviously on IR. Quez Watkins is not ready to come back yet. His practice window was activated this week, but um, he's not ready to play yet. So, yeah, you're you're left with a pretty bare wide receiver room. And, and the problem with that is you also don't have Dallas Goddard. Right. So right. at times, like even last year, when the receivers were so banged up, they would just go with 12 personnel and kind of really rely on Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. And now you don't even have that. I'm not sure what their best personnel package is going to look like on Sunday. I I guess it's 11 personnel with Zach Ertz and – Greg Ward, John Hightower, and Deontay Burnett. I think that's probably your, your best skill position players.
1: You know, Dave, all the names you mentioned, you forgot one. And, and, that's, and it's so incredibly telling because you're someone who spends most of the calendar year with the Eagles uh, organization. Uh, I know J.J. Ortega-Whiteside is listed as doubtful, and we, uh, nobody's expecting him to play. But where has he been otherwise? This is turning out to be yet another horrendous pick by Howie Roseman.
2: Yeah, it doesn't look good and there were some signs for optimism this training camp he he had a good camp Uh, and i think everyone at the time and when he was having a good camp was kind of tempering their expectations because he it wasn't like he had a bad camp last year either um it's yeah it's starting to look like just a bad pick um you can't fault him for being hurt but uh even when he wasn't hurt i mean the last two times carson went through to him one was a an interception the other was just a terrible drop um it's it doesn't and look i I understand you can kill howie for the pick but Mm. even if look you look at dk metcalf and say we could have had that guy and i get it but no one thought jj was gonna be this bad Mm -hmm. i mean basically a, a wasted roster spot he was a good player at stanford um it's 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 pretty amazing that uh, he's come here and just can't do anything. It's uh, it's kind of shocking, and I think they're going to give him every opportunity. He's a second-round pick. You don't just throw those guys away. I had people ask me, you know, if he has another bad game, do they cut him? Well, no. I mean, they invested in him, and they don't have a lot of other players in that position. So, right. I think they're going to try to make it work. But if your confidence is low in him right now, I certainly don't blame you.
1: Yeah, and I mean this, and I'm just I'm just speaking out loud here. It just it bothers me so much because of how he now has the track record of, of of missed draft picks at that position, and you know, and now I'm I'm I've been complaining that they used a second round pick on a quarterback, which is a vanity pick. But let's let me go to that position and when specifically. Uh, he has been such a target for criticism thus far this year. Understandably, he has not looked good. Maybe Doug hasn't helped him out a lot. Maybe the coaching staff hasn't helped him out a lot. But in the end, he's the one on the field, and he's missing you know, simple plays where he has a sure bet receiver at times. One thing that I, I hate is how so many are just quick to say, well, Carson stinks. I told you so. No one else was listening to me. Just that hot take nonsense without any uh, more information beyond that. What I'm trying to figure out is why this is happening in season number five as a pro. Dave, in your opinion, what is wrong with Wentz right now?
2: How much time do you have, John? <laughs> because it's, it's not a simple answer. I, I wish it was because if it was a simple answer, they could fix it. I mean, if it was like just one little mechanical thing and they fix it and all of a sudden he's playing at a high level again, that'd be great. But I think it's part mental and part physical. I think a lot of the mental has now led – to the physical and for a guy in year five that just can't happen mm-hmm. i mean it, it just can't happen if you're supposed to be the franchise quarterback and, uh, and and you're supposed to we saw what he can do even without the players around him we saw him do it last year um the fact that he's struggling this much this year it's, I'm, I'm shocked by it to be honest with you and yeah. And I've kind of noticed the same thing as you—the uh, the kind of little victory lap I've seen from some of the the anti-Wentz folks. Mm-hmm. But even I think even those people would admit that he's playing so much poorly than even they expected. Because at, I mean, no one thought Wentz was bad. Like let's be honest about it. No one thought he was a bad quarterback. People thought maybe he's not elite. I think that that was a uh, an over kind of an overarching theme of the Wentz debate, but no one thought he was a bad player. Um, I think everyone kind of assumed there was at least a baseline with him, right? Like everyone Mm -hmm. kind of assumed that he can at least be a serviceable quarterback. And I've been shocked to see him end up so far under that baseline through the first three games. I think that just because he does have some talent, I'm starting to question if he can put it all together, but I think he will be better as the season goes on, because he really can't be any worse.
1: I, I totally agree. Well, one of the, I'm, let me ask you if you think this might be one of the factors. Um, the coaching staff, uh, too many voices, perhaps? I mean, it, the, the constant turnover in the coaching staff, I have to imagine, plays a factor. And then you have, I, I don't know, I, I mean, I, I, you're there and I'm not. Well, I guess you're not there right now either, but you're always there prior to, to the pandemic. The, do you think right now maybe uh, playing a factor in this is that there's too many voices in the room trying to instruct him?
2: I think it's a fair theory. I I can't say that definitively. And because I think only he really knows that. I, I think he only he really knows why he might be overwhelmed at times. But if you look at what's happened, I think it's a very fair theory because um sure, him and Doug have been together for a long time, him and Press Taylor have been together for a long time. Um but they did add other people and they did it in a in a short off season. Uh, So maybe that's part of it. I think in general, coaching is some of his problem this year in terms of them not exactly catering the offense to what he does best. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that needs to be a give and take between him and the coaching staff. I think he needs to speak up maybe more than he is. I I don't know how much he is, but if you're in year five, um, you have a considerable amount of say in, in what the offense is doing. Um, But it just doesn't feel like the coaching staff has a a good feel for him right
1: now. I think
2: that's fair to say. It doesn't seem like they really know what's going to get him out of this bunk. And honestly, that comes down to Doug Peterson. I I know that they have a quarterback's coach. I know they have other voices. But um, these two guys have been kind of married. Doug's always used the term married between the quarterback and and head coach in this case, who is a former NFL quarterback and former quarterback's coach. They should be able to, to get this fist, and it shouldn't take three games.
1: Well, and this, this kind of leads – I have two more questions for you. This leads into a, just a follow-up to what you're saying, because um, earlier this week, uh, you know, after Nick Foles did what he did in Chicago, uh, when he spoke this week at practice, something he said resonated with me when he spoke about Frank Reich, how Frank got to know him and studied film of him as a quarterback and kind of customized his game plan around the, the strengths and weaknesses of Nick Foles. And I when he went on at length about what Frank Reich did for him and understanding him, it I began to then worry for Carson Wentz because I I, you know, we don't know for certain. But I have a fear that this Eagles organization, even though that Doug and Carson have been together for five years, it's kind of like that. Here's a QB 101 template and we're going to go with that as opposed to customizing it to knowing your actual quarterback.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, there's a lot there because we start with Nick and he's about to play Frank Reich. He's asked a question specifically about Frank Reich. So I don't think like it was very complimentary of Frank, but I, I didn't take it as necessarily a, uh, a damning comment about Doug Peterson. Because let's remember, Doug Peterson is the only guy to work Nick Foles out, uh, you know, many years ago when he got drafted. And, and and those two have a great relationship. I think he kind of understood them. Um hmm but I, I see what you're saying because that's kind of been my thing with this coaching staff this year. I don't think they've necessarily played into his strengths. And, and we go back to the first game of the season uh, when he was basically asked to be a statue in Washington behind a, a pretty poor offensive line and they didn't move him enough out of the pocket. Uh, they brought in Rich Scangarello this off-season, And a big part of the reason, at least as it was explained to us, was because they – identified the parts of Carson Wentz's game that they could really uh, get a lot out of Scangrello's scheme with. And a lot of that is rolling. A lot of that is throwing on the run, bootlegs, play action. And we've seen some of it, but I don't think we've seen enough of it. And it, it's kind of a, a tough thing to do right now because I'm at almost to the point where I want to strip down the offense so bare bones uh, and kind of build it back up because it's so broken right now. And, and I don't know if you can implement all those new things. So uh, as much as I've actually been clamoring for it, I, I don't know if it's the time for it right now because uh, I I kind of think you have to simplify everything. And if you have a, a boring vanilla scheme, I'd actually take that right now just because I, I think you have to try to find a way to get your quarterback making the routine plays that he's been missing.
1: Yeah. Uh, Final question I have for you, Dave Zingaro, and everything we've said leads right to it. Uh, I understand about the whole strip it all down, but again, we're three games into the season. Game number four is coming up. Uh, Dave, can you see any way that the Eagles can beat the 49ers? I'm not going to say it's impossible because
2: that is not a good thing to say about any game in this league because... Uh, The 49ers are really banged up as banged up as the Eagles are. The 49ers are in a worse state and they don't have their starting quarterback. They don't have two of their best running backs. I still think the Eagles aren't going to win this game. I, I didn't pick them because I don't know how I could justify picking them right now. Um, It's, it's, they're in a tough spot, man. I, I looked at the season right before it started and thought, they should be at least two and one, maybe three and zero, oh, and they they're, they're going to need to be because then the hard games start to come through. And now they're o oh, two and one and starting these games, and it just doesn't look good.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dave Zingaro, if if you want to read a great column, uh, he has one on Jordan Mailata who will be starting at left tackle tomorrow night. Um, uh, if you want to all the details and what transpires leading up to, during, and after Eagles forty niners. I highly suggest you follow Dave on Twitter at the letter D Zingaro, NBCS. Dave, as always, thank you, sir. Thank you, man.
2: This
0: episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.